0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci fi, suspense, and all things violent.
1: What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 73. At the end of the episode we will be sharing chapter 22 of ain't no messiah wow we only got two left i believe is that it damn uh hopefully you guys are enjoying the story uh one of these days i will return to the second book and finish that up in the meantime i've got all kinds of other writing going on uh, doing the death scenes right now for trying Not to Die in the Pandemic. It is pretty brutal. I've uh, been having a. The other night, I realized I've got to stop doing these death scenes right before bed. I'm writing about families being burned alive. I'm looking up photos. I'm seeing videos of the different kinds of deaths. I uh, did a really sweet one where. The main character and his girlfriend are handcuffed together and they get thrown off the edge and then smashed into um, the deck below. And uh, So that was a nice touching scene, but still, it is pretty disturbing uh, to be always thinking about that kind of stuff. I have, let's see, I'm on chapter, I think I just finished up chapter 6 death scenes and so not too many more left, about uh, 15 more chapters worth. So about 20 scenes or so. And those go fast. When I have time I can knock those out really quickly. I found out that once the main story is written it is pretty easy to go right in and just continue it down the wrong path. Uh, some of those death scenes are really quick. But there is one that takes a while and that is because it is a, uh, one of the scenes where the main character actually uh, gets the virus and dies from it. Uh, My co-author, John Palisano, who wrote the book, uh, he came up with the whole main story and I'm rewriting it now. Um, He actually had COVID and so he just did a great job of describing what it's like to have this new virus. And so that is the longest death scene so far. There might be one or two more long ones, but for the most part, they're short. Um, Been a lot of cool reviews lately, uh, which is nice. I put up Untold Mayhem... I put the audio book on this new program from NetGalley. Um, Wasn't sure how it was going to do. I've run a lot of eBooks through there. And I've gotten some pretty good reviews. Uh, But this was the first time I tried an audio book. I put it up. And within less than two weeks, I've had 21 reviews or so. Which is awesome. Uh, First, I didn't know if it was so awesome. Because the first two reviews (laughs) were pretty shitty. Um... They were two and a half stars or two stars, uh, three stars. They were just saying, you know, not very inventive, inventive. uh, They had other problems with the stories. I get it. Uh, But then a lot of super positive ones have been coming in. And the nice thing with this is most of these reviewers are also leaving their reviews on Goodreads, which is huge. And over on Goodreads, I'm able to actually have conversations with some of these people. Uh, some people have it to where you can't comment on their reviews, uh, but on the ones that did, I went ahead and um, I've been having some conversations, so that's kind of fun. Uh, one of the best things for me, one of my favorite things as an author, is hearing which stories work for which people. Uh, there's one in particular I want to mention to you guys. Uh, hopefully I don't ruin her name. It is, I believe, Shinara. Uh, She put, it was an overall really good group of short stories. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase. But she got to one that she absolutely hated uh, and had a really hard time. Um, She said she's going to mention the one that I hate is News First. Uh, While I'm up for some good old-fashioned gore and nastiness, but damn, this story went there and beyond. It hit a little too close to home with the shooting, then it took it too far. I hated it so much that I almost couldn't take it. Um... But then she went on to say how much she really enjoyed all the other stories and uh, and gave it a four-star rating. We had a cool conversation afterwards. She's now checking out Twisted Reunion, which I believe is a much stronger collection of stories. Um, but yeah, right now Untold Mayhem is doing well. It has over a four-star rating on Goodreads, which is not that easy to get. Um, so it's cool. Some of her favorite stories were The Hole, The Fine Print left behind counting on it no service the feelings back left unfinished um the news first story that one that she really hated that is about a school shooting at brown university it gets pretty graphic um i think i might have talked about it on here how i wasn't sure whether or not i should even include it if i should include because i knew a school shooting would be a trigger for a lot of people which understandably um but there are other people that wrote that they really liked it. Another cool thing that I've been seeing is how many people mention um, they can see, you know, that they're fans of Stephen King and Dean Koontz, and that they could see lots of that in my writing. Uh, some of that, all reading all those books, really rubbed off. Uh, I was looking for some other ones, but you get the idea. If you want to see what these reviews are, you can just check them out on Goodreads. Uh, if you're not on there. I think it's an awesome place to be. You can find out about all kinds of cool books, and review my shit if you're up for it. Um, okay, that's enough about, oh, the other thing I did learn from this is how much people really enjoy the multicast. Uh, By having nine different narrators, I think that saved this audiobook. If it had been done by one person, short stories really blend together, especially if they're first person. Uh, So I think this was cool. Uh, Everyone seemed to really appreciate it. They all thought uh, the narrators did an excellent job That was one of the overall themes throughout all the reviews, so That was really cool. Thank you to everyone that went ahead and reviewed that and gave it a shot Um, Out now, let's see what we got. Oh, I just put out my newest newsletter uh, and it uh, gives away Brightside. Brightside is now permanently free it is not yet free on Amazon. I'm trying to get that done, but on all other sites it should be free. I also have a link on my website, so you could just go to mark, at mark uh, just go to marktulius.com and you could pick it up there. I also released The Rules, which is a short story, a brand new short story, last thing I've written. Um, instead of trying to get it published in a magazine, I decided I would just put this out uh, exclusively for subscribers. So... subscribe to my newsletter you will have the link to that Um, I just strongly suggest you skip it if you do not like violence towards animals because there is some violence towards animals and some violence towards humans but for some reason that's cool but not the animal part Um, what else this week I read Carrie I need to review that Um, it's gonna be tough I uh, there's a lot of cool stuff about it. Um, it made me think about a couple short stories that I've written, one in particular, After uh, Aftermath, which, which is obviously uh, based off of a Carrie type character. And then also all the religion involved in it um, made me think about Ain't No Messiah. And so it definitely had an impact on me, but because the story is so old, um, because that was his Stephen King's first novel, um, there's definitely a lot of things that I eh, didn't really care for that much. Uh, and because I know the story so well and I've watched the movie. So all that made it a little bit difficult. Um, but other than that, it was it was cool. Um, so I went ahead, I'm i going to go ahead and record that this week. And I'll put it up on YouTube. I was thinking about doing it on here. But eh, all, this, all the Stephen King reviews are going to be separate. But I was glad that I was able to get in a quick little book this week. Um, reading fiction is something I'm going to force myself to start doing and so the next one up is Salem's Lot. I'm going to try to do all of his books in order. Oh in other news we are making I should have done this a while ago but we are making a try not to die face mask. Uh, it just seems like it makes the most sense. It says right there on the mask what people are trying not to do. They're trying not to die by wearing it. Trying not to kill others. Uh, whether or not it works. Whether or not the masks are a effective I don't want to get into all that I just want to profit off of this tragedy and sell some fucking mass actually they're mainly for the big contests that we're doing um, for trying to die in the pandemic that book is set for release uh, we're going to go for October 30th or or the 31st so Halloween Uh, contest will be launched 22 days prior I'll be sure to tell you guys all about it beforehand, because you all, everyone starts on the same day on the last contest, I made a lot of mistakes, I was letting people enter late, it was for people that didn't give a shit about books, but these prizes are all going to be book related, Uh, some good gift cards, but they all have to be used for books, so if you don't care about books, then there's no reason to join this contest, unless you just want to see how well you do, or you want to first look at the book, But every day uh, one chapter will be put out and it will be all automated. You simply put in your answer on what you think the correct choice is and then the people with the highest scores will win. And I believe it will only be open to Goodreads and BookBub followers. Or not followers but people that are members. So that is the plan. We should have that book finished by then ready to go. Uh, there won't be any early reviewers for that. I won't be sending it out to get reviewed. I am just going to be relying on this contest and friends to um, help share it and to get a lot of word out. I'm looking to get about a thousand contestants and we're going to have some cool prizes. Some of the prizes are going to be autographed copies of different books from Horror Writer Association members. Because John is the president of the organization, I'm one of the members... I thought it would be really cool to get a collect cool collection of different books and we'll just bundle up like three, um, three different books for like one of the prizes and so there will be several of those. So that is the game plan. Trying to get all that worked out um, while taking care of the family and all that good stuff. Alright guys, I'm going to cut this one short. Uh, I'm not sure how long the chapter is. Probably 30 minutes or so. Uh, but we are coming toward the end of ain't no messiah hopefully you guys are digging it but i will leave you with that and we will talk next week all right guys here's chapter two 22 of ain't no messiah narrated by rick cheddar thanks for listening i'll see you next week later
0: chapter 22 it was only a few months after the mall the three of us in the living room the 12-gauge shotgun over the mantel. Danielle had said we'd be stupid not to have it. She didn't know it wasn't loaded, that I kept two shells on me at all times. Daddy? Lily was on the floor, a puzzle piece in each hand. You okay? She wasn't even three repeating words she heard too often. Oh, Of course, sweetheart, Daddy was just thinking. She pointed at the row of puzzles spread across the floor, all but two finished. I want to show Mommy? Danielle was laid back in the recliner, mouth open, eyes closed, still adjusting to her increased dosage. I picked one of the candles off the coffee table and began carving my initials at the bottom. Why don't you finish your puzzles first? We'll let her rest a little longer. Lily smiled and said, okay. I went back to my candle, taking my time with it because it wasn't already sold. No more playing keep-up since we'd potted ways with Jeremy. I was on my fourth candle when Lily whispered, Mommy... She stood next to the recliner and said it a little louder. Danielle blinked awake. "'Sorry, baby. Look, Mommy, me do em all.' Danielle wiped the drool from the corner of her mouth. "'What time is it?' I told Lily nice job before answering Danielle. "'Almost seven. "'Oh, jeez, I better look like hell.' "'Can I show Grandpa?' Lily asked. Danielle had seen better days, her eyes lost in an ocean. I said, "'You look fine.' I don't worry about impressing anyone. The driveway's motion detector beeped three times. I wasn't ready. Lily was, though. She shouted, Is that him? I checked the monitor, my mouth drying as father walked to the front door. The doorbell rang and Lily jumped up. Grandpa, calm down. You don't even know him. Danielle said, You're the one who said he could come. I told Lily I was sorry and the doorbell rang again. I walked past the mantel, felt the shells inside my pocket. I left the shotgun where it was and opened the door. Father, in a brilliant white suit, the finest fitting one I'd ever seen, a bright red package in his hand. Looking just as young as he did on TV, his hair the blackest of black, Father gave his best smile and spread his arms wide. Joshua. I stayed right where I was, my hand on the door. It's Josh. He nodded. Josh. Okay. Okay. How about a handshake? Danielle said, Well, go on. I squeezed Father's hand and looked him in the eyes. Wished I knew what he saw before him. Was I just a toy, something to manipulate, or was I the biggest disappointment? His hand held strong, but only long enough for me to admire his diamond-encrusted watch. That's my boy. I invited him in and saw the two military-type men in crisp black suits standing under the side of his limousine. And what a pleasure it is to see you, Father said to Danielle. A beautiful woman made even more so by becoming a mother. I locked the door and turned around in time to see Danielle hugging him like he meant something. Father kissed her cheek and stood back. Lily's feet were sticking out from behind the couch right there for everyone to see. But he put his hand to his forehead and scanned the room. Everything a production. He raised his voice and said, Oh, where is this wonderful little girl I've heard so much about? I heard she's an angel, the perfect little sunshine. It's too bad she's not here, because I really wanted to see her. Lily peeked over the couch's armrest, then went back down with a giggle. Such a shame, he said. I guess I'll have to find another girl to give this present to. Lily popped up and waved her arms. Me, me, me here. I walked to the couch to make Lily feel safe, but she ran right past me and hugged his leg. So quiet we could barely hear, she said, Grandpa? Father held his heart and knelt so they were eye to eye. You have just made me the luckiest man alive. You have the voice of an angel. Yes, you do. Lily said, Daddy's angel. I reminded her. And Mommy's? Well, I guess that just makes you everyone's angel, Father said. And that's exactly what everyone needs. An angel that can take away all their pain and troubles with just one little smile. Lily was fighting a smile, the corners of her mouth trying to stay down. I said, Go ahead, sweetheart. Let him see it. I didn't have to say it again. Her perfect little teeth, her perfect little smile, her brown eyes beaming. Oh my, you are going to be a heartbreaker. Father handed her the package and said, This is for you. I had a feeling I knew what it was. I patted Danielle's hand and said, Would you mind getting us some drinks? She said, Sure thing, the words running together. Father helped Lily find an opening and watched her tear off the wrapping. She brought me the cardboard box and said, What'd it do? I showed her how to open it and pulled out the black leather book. She asked, Stories? Yeah, stories. I held up the expanded version of the Lost Gospels. I flipped to the first page. Copy number one. Lots of stories, just like all your fairy tale books. I like stories. I ruffled her hair and set the book on the mantel where she couldn't get it and Danielle wouldn't notice. Some stories are good. These ones aren't for children. Lily turned to father, who was back standing. Me, big girl. And such a big girl. I'm pretty sure you must be at least four or five. Me be three on my birthday. Do you know when that is? Danielle came back with a tray and glasses while Lily shook her head. She said, we haven't got that far yet, but she knows the entire ABC song. Sing it for grandpa, baby. Lily did the whole thing, even slowed L-M-N-O-P down for all separate letters. Danielle set the drinks on the coffee table while father cheered. Two of the drinks splashed onto the tray, but Danielle didn't notice, looking at Lily, telling her to show how high she could count. Lily got to twenty ten, and Father said, "Wow, that really is amazing. You are the smartest thing ever." I was exactly how I felt about her—like there couldn't be another person out there as perfect. But I also knew how it felt to not live up to those expectations. We try not to say stuff like that; don't want to put pressure on her. Father said he understood. I wiped off the drinks and told him he should have a seat. Hope water's okay. He said sure, but left his on the tray so he could pull a quarter from behind Lily's ear. You're lucky, Lily. I've never seen him play before. Danielle said my name in a tone that meant fucking knock it off. I'm just saying she's lucky. Father took his drink from the table and sat in the love seat. I know I wasn't good at some things. I said, so? Thanks for letting me come. Yeah. Lily took the box and laid it on its side, stuck her arm in and out and in and out. Father pointed at the small stack of candles. How's your business going? He must have known it had gone to shit, but I didn't say a word about that, having anything to do with him telling his followers they couldn't support us. I said, nothing like your church. Our church, nothing can stand in its way. It was obvious I was being sarcastic when I said, that's wonderful. Why are you acting like this? he asked, as if he genuinely didn't know. What do you want? I wanted to see you. Why? You're my son, not your real son. He sighed. Don't say that. It's true and you know it. You're being ridiculous. I'm your father. Look at us. He looked at me, then Lily. The Lord works in mysterious ways. We don't do that, not not in my house. Do what? Utter that name. It's brought us nothing but evil. Father pointed to the large screen TV. The toys spread across the room. That's not entirely true. The evil it brought us is greater than any good that's come of it. Father looked like he was having a hard time not raising his voice. Finally, he said, I come to ask a favor. I figured as much. Danielle reached out and touched my hand and said, honey. That's okay, sweetie. Father said. He made sure I was looking at him before he spoke. I'm opening a church here in Vegas and would like your blessing. Why? Why now you didn't need it for Charlotte. I said, referring to the monster of a church. Paul was in charge of father's eyes flashed fire, but he kept his voice calm. You wouldn't talk to me. Lily was still on the carpet, seeing how far she could get her head in the box. I told her, why don't you go play with your toys in the other room? Just for a couple of minutes. Okay. She's having fun. Danielle said, Lily really wasn't paying attention to the conversation, but I almost told Danielle to pick her up and stay in the other room. I didn't want father seeing any part of him in me, so I kept cool. What about the sex tape? It made me a mockery. No, it did not. It shows the world you're human. What I saw on that tape between you was real. Some might say love. Some might say lust. He pointed at Lily. And look what it produced. That wasn't necessarily true because there'd never been a paternity test. And there wasn't a test because it didn't matter. I faced Father and said, You don't even need me. Why are you here? Father rubbed his chin, his face growing cold. You know what? You're right. I don't need you. If Danielle had been holding a knife, she might have stabbed me. I said, So you just come by to drop off a book. A book that says I need to fucking die. Father stood up. Stop it! You will not talk to me like I'm some misguided fool. The air felt heavy, like it was pushing me down, not allowing me to stand. But my wife was watching, just like my daughter. There was a foot, maybe two between us. I lowered my voice and said, if I am the Messiah, then I and I alone should be the one deciding what I think, who I talk to and how I speak to them. Father didn't even blink. Are you him? Are you the Messiah? Can you finally say it? Finally accept your role? Of course I couldn't. I said, this was a bad idea. Like he really wanted to know. Father asked, how in the world could you not know you're him? How many more miracles need to happen? I repeated what I would told Paul. Probably about three or four. His eyes stayed on me like they were trying to burn a hole through my head. "'Joshua, you are the Messiah, whether or not you believe it. "'To millions, you are the Messiah no matter. "'Give them hope. "'The world needs hope,' I said. "'Even if I could, that's not my job. "'I never signed up for it. "'Be that as it may, it doesn't change the facts. "'No church has any facts, except how much money they can rake in. "'Is that it? "'You need more money? "'Is that why you both abandoned me? Haven't I been taking care of you the best I could?' He truly believed his version of the truth and suddenly I wasn't so sure mine was right. Tell me what I did wrong to deserve that to have my son abandon me a second time with not even so much as a goodbye, Danielle said. The Book of Charles. That wasn't released until after. It had to. It's one of my many crosses Joshua has to bear. I said, You wrote the whole thing while I was there. Have you read it, either one of you? We shook our heads. Joshua, it absolves you of all wrongdoing because as a human, you fail just as we all do. Paul's behind a lot of it. His struggle with your mother's dying. How you couldn't help her. It says I have to die. Everyone wants me dead. With a smile, like he was delivering the best news ever, he held my shoulders and said, Don't you get it? You are not accountable for any of the awfulness that consumes this land. You're trying your best and have a pure heart. You are still the Messiah. What about all the stuff that's already happened? All that shit I've been blamed for. Am I still guilty of all those crimes you made me watch? Every one of those images that flutter through my brain? Never know what's going to pop up next. If it'll be a dead baby, someone jumping out a window, having their fucking head chopped off. Danielle said, language... Yeah, I better watch my language with the guy who made me watch snuff films. Father said, Not at her age. I was almost too flustered to speak. That matters. Father opened his mouth, but I cut him off. Told Danielle a little too sternly to get Lily out of the room. Father said, I know. I made mistakes. We all have. That your apology? You can't look me in the eyes and tell me you are not the Messiah. I hated he was right. I don't have to tell you a damn thing. You would be doing the world and yourselves a huge favor if you would just acknowledge it. Danielle asked. How big a favor for us? Why should we trust you? I'll give you a new house. Men that will protect you with their lives. She didn't say anything right away. Any house? He nodded. The church will purchase the house of your choice. Within reason, of course. Danielle nudged my leg. I- Nest Egg was shrinking. Would disappear within a year if I didn't do something about it. I said, in exchange for what? Father spread his arms. The world needs a Messiah. Give them something to believe in. Take their mind off the wars, the kidnapping, all the senseless violence. Do I have to speak? Yes, but only in your daily message. We all knew there was more. And let me baptize you. You and Lily. It'll be glorious. Let your father wash away all your sins. You're out of your mind. Lily is not doing it. But you will? I hesitated. When? Father's eyes were aglow like the glorious vision was before him. I I don't think we rush it. We'll wait until you're ready. What if it takes five or ten years? Well, how about we say within three? By then, we'll, we'll have the Christian network eaten out of our hands. All religions bowing down. I suppose I could commit to that. Father held up his finger. There's no supposing this time. Are you in or out? Only because my back was against the wall, I couldn't scale carrying two dependents. I said I was in. His hug caught me off guard. He squeezed too hard and said, This is so exciting. You'll bask in the glory that awaits you. I broke it off so I could breathe and reminded him what the deal was. This is business. Looking proud of me for finally catching on, Father smiled. So, help us build it. Let's take things over. Danielle nudged the back of my foot. I told him, we're also going to need some money up front. Fifty thousand at least. Father shook his head. That's not how you negotiate. Do that part before the deal is made. I told him we hadn't shaken on it and he said he was just joking. Father reached inside his jacket and pulled out a blank check. He filled it out and handed over the first $50,000 i would ever held. Now, we shake. The agreement was sealed. The appointment over. I had Danielle take Lily to the bathroom and told Father I'd see him out. I felt dirty, like I'd signed a deal with the devil, and didn't want either of my girls around him any longer. Father didn't complain about not telling them goodbye, and I didn't bother offering an excuse. Both his bodyguards had been facing the street. The dark-skinned driver opened the back door while the white guy with the crew cut met Father at the front of the vehicle. Father introduced him as Troy. said he was the most trustworthy person he knew. He'd been black ops in Afghanistan. "'This is my family,' he told Troy. "'You'll protect them with your life.' Troy said he was honored and shook my hand. With enough of a drawl to let me know he'd once been a good old boy, he said... I won't let you down. Father slipped inside the car, leaned his head out the window. Tomorrow, we'll go looking for a house. And you just wait until you see the new church. And this is only the first step. I won't even tell you the really big news until it's finalized. My vision is soaring higher than the tallest mountain. We are on a path of no return. The entire world will know your name. The Vegas church was built just for us with a state-of-the-art studio in the rectory. We had had ourselves a busy morning recording a dozen one-liners for sponsors and two thirty-second pieces. Thanks to all my ums and mumbles, my stutters and slip-ups. What a real actor could have done in one or two hours had taken us five. Paul, who usually kept quiet during filming, said, Come on, Josh, we still got one more. Six months of being back in front of the camera had cured me of lots of my hang-ups. But not having someone like Jeremy to coach my delivery left most of my stuff feeling stiff. Darren, the 20-something behind the camera, never offered any advice and kept his comments down to rolling and cut. This had been about his 12th cut, this scene, and even he'd had enough. What about it, Josh? Anything I said around either one of them would go straight back to father, but I was done caring for the day. Neither of you thinks it's a little fucked up that I'm giving five Halo reviews for places I've never eaten in cities I'd never seen. Paul said, we're done with those for the week and don't forget they pay our rent. And the FEMA camp ad, did you listen to what you were saying? Paul asked, you didn't agree they're necessary. Darren looked confused. You don't want stragglers to have a place to live. Paul said, Senator Burkhardt and father share the same view on the camps. Maybe you don't understand their importance, but that doesn't limit it. I honestly didn't care about that ad. It was the stupid shit I was filming for the military. I swatted my hand at the two armored tanks filling the screen behind me. Fuck these guys. They didn't want me before. Paul said, you don't mean that. Them not taking you is the best thing that could have happened. You should be grateful for that. And for every man and woman who has volunteered to do the job, you couldn't. I'd gotten used to believers eating up my words and hated when Paul was right. I told them I was fine and to feed me the lines about sacrifices, true heroes, how a strong military equaled a strong country, how every military member had my ultimate blessing and that everyone should remember to vote in the preliminary. Twenty minutes later, we had it wrapped. Darren changed the green screen to a doctor's office and wheeled in a black chair with armrests. Paul handed me a bright blue button down to put on instead of my white one. He dug around his briefcase and said, Leave off the left sleeve, though. I sat down, my forearm on the rest. So why isn't Teddy doing this? Paul slipped on a lab coat and buttoned it up. He's with his mother in Boston. She had a stroke. I don't think Paul knew he sounded so sad, but I wasn't about to bring it up. He showed you how to do it? Paul removed a preloaded syringe out of a small metal case. It's simple. He smacked the middle of my shoulder and said, I got a big target. But why do I have to do a real shot? I've never gotten one before. Paul laughed. You're afraid of a little prick. You've had countless needles jabbed in you. I thought it was a stupid idea, but said fine, but I'm not redoing this. Get it right on the first take. Darren promised they would. So do I just sit here? What do I say? Paul said, we'll film the injection first. Your line's right after. I asked him if they already got their shots over the past few weeks. We'd recorded a couple of clips promoting the vaccine, but I hadn't been following the story very closely just knew the vaccine was free and the flu, one more thing to fear. Are they making it mandatory? Paul said. They tried, but the president vetoed it. Darren said, they're predicting this as the absolute worst ever. I got mine as soon as I heard. Paul and Darren did their thing getting ready and I did mine. Deep breaths through out of the nose to calm my mind. This was all just part of my paycheck. A little sting to remind me everything came with a price. The needle punched through with a pinch, the brownish-yellow liquid, a cold push. Paul began to pull out the needle when the loudest bang made us jump. My first thought was gunfire, and I hit the ground, Paul and Darren following suit. I crawled to the door to lock it, but it burst open the edge, flying by just inches from my face. Father's cheeks were beet red, his eyes aflame. He yelled, What in the name of hell are you doing? I got to my feet. It sounded like a shotgun blast. And this is how we react. Father shook his head, didn't hide his disgust. Good thing we have gods. I had no reason to say sorry, but still did. Paul and Darren both played it smart, staying quiet behind me. Father pointed at the broken needle sticking out of my shoulder. Want me to do something about that? Paul rushed over with a napkin, apologized as he picked the needle out with his fingernails. He asked father what was wrong. They didn't accept the plans. Those heathens laughed in my face father's fists were clenched like he was strangling someone i gave them a verbal lash and they won't forget they'll cower before us when they see our power we will have the grandest church of all one fit for the messiah and no one will stand in our way we hadn't left the house in nearly a month nevada had officially lifted their state emergency four days before and now the three of us were squished in the back seat me on the left danielle the right our hands clasped, an extra seatbelt for Lily, who was asleep in her Wonder Woman car seat. Troy's crew got stuck out above the second row captain's seat in front of Danielle. No more trips without a guard by my side every moment. I'd requested both guards sit up front so we could pretend to have some privacy, like a normal family. But Father refused, said to leave the protectant to the professionals. Lily had fallen asleep a few minutes into the ride, her chubby little cheek leaning on the headrest, the softest snore barely audible over the wheels. From what I read online, most kids started cutting out naps around her age, but Lily didn't get enough solid sleep at night. I hadn't wanted Danielle or Lily coming with me, but not because I was worried about her safety. Danielle said no way, they were going with me wherever I went. I didn't argue because I understood. All my life, I'd seen death, been blamed for it too, but never on such an unprecedented scale. Danielle was staring out her window. The strip deserted except for the security guards and cops roaming to prevent looters. It was more the same on my side of the street, but I tried to look on the bright side. Thankful we weren't like 90% of the country whose streets were littered with corpses. The smart ones were burning their bodies and doing it quick. Boston had made the mistake of mass graves, the blood seeping into the rivers and creating a red coast. Vegas had shut down first out of fear, but... Even when we realized the flu had skipped us, there was no point reopening the casinos. With initial estimates listing a quarter of the country dead in most states on mandatory lockdown, tourist season was officially over. No sign had ever come back. It had been six days without a death from infection, but the death toll was rising every day from the overburdened and unmanned health care systems, riots and crime rampant with most law enforcement agencies crippled. Johnny hit a speed bump and Lily threw herself against her straps, eyes wide in panic. Daddy, daddy. Danielle took Lily's hands and I held her face. It's okay, baby. Daddy's here. Everything's okay. Tears ran down her cheeks, her brown eyes piercing mine. So sad. Like she knew it was true, she said. You died. No, honey. It was a nightmare. You were asleep. I'm okay. We'd had this conversation too many times. My fucking nightmare seemingly hereditary. It killed me to hear Lily say she was sorry. I put my lips to her forehead held them there, breathed in her sweet strawberry shampoo. I broke it off with a kiss and lied to her. I'll never leave you. Danielle patted her chest and neither will I. Saying it like she really wanted to believe it, she said, We're all going to grow old together. I wiped away Lily's tears and told her to smile. As soon as I'm finished with work, the three of us will have a picnic and play in the park. Danielle asked, You think it's safe? I pointed out her window. Couldn't see it being any safer. Danielle nodded and had Lily look at her. But we're only going if you can be a good girl. We have to be quiet. Lily said, I'd be good. Troy turned around and said, You can cut the audio to your room, but I'll still let her watch. I ignored him and said, I don't want you guys in there today. You guys can stay in the car. Lily said no. Danielle said, she's going to be crying for you the whole time. No, you won't. Will you, sweetie? Her eyes were magnets pulling me in. I want to watch. I couldn't say why I didn't want them with me because Troy answered to father. "'I'm afraid not. I need you two to go with Troy and pick up the stuff for the picnic. "'I bet I'll be done by the time you get back.' "'Before Lily could say no, I said, "'We'll have more time for the park.' "'To Danielle, I mouthed, "'Trust me, please.' "'Troy turned around again. "'I have orders to follow, sir.' "'I reminded him the church was closed to the public, "'the mass only to be witnessed by Darren and his lackeys. "'A special message to assure our members that everything is okay.' The worst is over and to welcome the National Guard and military to come in and restore order. There's plenty of men to watch over me. I want you to take care of my family. This is my job, sir. And I promise you'll always have it if you obey me. Father will not overturn my wishes. Johnny pulled into the church's driveway and stopped at the gate. Troy hemmed in hard a bit but made his decision by the time it rolled back. You won't tell him? As far as I know, you'll be making rounds outside. To Johnny, I said, please take me to the rectory. The car rolled to a stop and Troy stepped outside, said it was all clear. I kissed Danielle and said I loved her, something I've been trying to do more often, especially in front of Lily, who only let me go after our fifth kiss. Dwight opened the rectory door and stepped aside to let me in, his smile falling flat, his voice just as dull when he said I was early. I didn't know Dwight very well, but he seemed like a good guy, always going out of his way to make Lily smile. I asked, everything okay? With empty eyes, he said, all my family was in Dallas. Shit, I'm so sorry. The words didn't have any visible impact, but he thanked me anyway. Charles is in the studio warming up. Don't tell him I'm here yet. I've got some warming up of my own to do. Dwight said he understood and would be walking the perimeter if anyone needed him. The studio was down the hall to the right, the sacristy straight ahead, I left my cloak on the hook and suppressed the urge to throw Father's chalice at the window, knowing it only bounced right back. I parted the satin curtains and walked across the stage, into the room we'd built into that side like a regular mother's room, only instead of four rows of chairs there was only my throne and a seat on either side. The windows could withstand a 50 caliber shot, and the enhanced lock on the only door had turned it into a temporary safe room. The throne was padded, the opposite of my childhood, the entire church was hardwired with high-speed connections. I pulled out my phone and typed in flu. Messianic flu was the top result. Messianic flu kills millions. The number rise in each article. The latest count up to 70 million. I switched from news to images, piles and piles of bodies, loved ones and strangers rotting as one. From images to videos, I clicked the top result, which was purple from already watching it. Darren had filmed a close-up of Father's face. His eyes hadn't been so sparkly and crazed with joy since the last time I'd nearly died, his voice as passionate. This was written, it was spoken, it was preached, and nearly no one took note. It looked like a lie when Father said he wished it weren't true. But I'd told all of you a disaster would strike this year, non-believers falling in numbers untold, and what happened... The screen turned to a map of the U.S., all of it sprinkled red with only a few spots for men in virgin white, a triangle inside Nevada, and a strip stretching from South Carolina to Washington, D.C., and around each of our military bases. The only areas untouched by the Messianic flu are the holiest of areas blessed by my son, the second son. He did not want all this death, just as he doesn't want non believers to burn in hell. Joshua is a kind and just man, but he is the Messiah, and as the Messiah, he must cast judgment. It tears me up inside to see such a massive waste of life, but at least now we have proof we have hope. We can all join forces and believe, pray that the Lord Almighty is done teaching us. A door opened, then closed, probably the rectory, as I had a clear view of the church's entrance from where I was sitting. I figured it was Dwight and went back to the news, forced myself to read the last prediction, which cities would recover and which would never bounce back. A door slammed, followed by shouts, one of them father's. There was a thud and more shouts, a bang in the sacristy. Something crashed, perhaps a cabinet. Dwight ran down the center aisle and flew up the stairs as the sacristy's curtain blew open, All and father grabbing at the other's black suit tumbling toward the altar. Dwight grabbed him a split second before the collision and pushed him apart. Paul didn't let go of father's jacket. A loud rip as the lapel tore off in his hand. I couldn't see father's face, but I could hear his fury. He pointed to the door. Dwight, leave us now and no one comes in. Dwight said, yes, sir, and left the front door clunking, shutting behind him. Paul wiped blood from the corner of his mouth, his eyes, red, nostrils flaring in and out. He started to speak, but father cut him off, shouted, you got what you wanted. Paul said, You killed Teddy. Father closed the gap, smacking Paul upside his head, knocked him to his knees. Paul got up, held his cheek. Father hit him even harder, knocked him back down, stood close enough to let Paul know he'd better stay where he was. I did nothing that you didn't do yourself. We both knew there'd be casualties, and if your cocksucking little boyfriend, Paul shot back up and shouted, He's not! But father slammed him down, warned him to stay there. You got a choice to make right now, Pauly. You're free to go, but you will not reap any of the rewards. I won't stop you. Paul stayed on one knee. Father said, you say we don't need Joshua. I say we don't need you. Paul said something I couldn't make out. Father told him to speak up. His voice trembled as he said, I'm sorry.